Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bijou Podcasts. This is episode 73 of the Stacey June Show. And today's an interview where I speak to a man by the name of Philip Shepard, founder of TEP, T-E-P-P, a series of exercises that show you how to be present. here. How is everyone? Hope you're doing really well and thank you for joining me for another interview. This particular man I had the privilege of meeting and attending one of his workshops a few weeks ago and it was a real game changer for me in terms of thinking about how we approach our mindfulness and our ability to be present with less tools, with less thinking with less action. Now, we all know on this show that I'm very much about tools and practical tips on us to activate our own self-care routines, on how we can better um, better reconnect with ourselves, which helps us define who we are and, and kind of really activate an inner spark within ourselves. But the interesting thing that Philip shook up for me was that he believes we have access to this so much more effortlessly and naturally than what we've been told. And it just really resonated with me deepening my understanding of presence on another layer. So I'm very grateful for him uh, for showcasing that to me and you'll really enjoy this chat. I'll let you know what you can expect in a little bit of time. But I just wanted to touch base and say hello to everybody. I wanted to check in and ask you how you're going you can ask yourself if you like. Uh, and just wanted to share a bit about me. I am doing really well. I'm busy writing the book. Uh, I am enjoying being back on air on Sunday nights across the Hit Network, as I um, shared a couple of weeks ago. So if you are keen, you can download the Hit app and listen from 8 o'clock on a Sunday. And it's nice. It's been a really different and interesting thing to, I guess, navigate and watch with myself because as you know I've been working for myself for a year and a half I've really re-sculpted the way that I work and and where I come from in terms of my intention and my source so a lot of the things on the outside don't look overly different but I have really reassessed how I drive myself and, and use my energy so when I came off air a few weeks ago for the first time in you know almost a year well, different, you know, not doing, not being on other people's shows, but, but actually hosting my own show again. It was really intense. Like I forgot how intense it is, A, to be on air uh, and running that kind of, I suppose my friend's a, um, a real estate agent and I was saying to him, it's like doing 10 auctions in two hours. Like there's such a moment and there's such, you kind of, 
you just kind of become almost off the ground a little bit and then you've got little roller coaster dips in amongst that elevation off the ground. I enjoy it. I feel like I'm I'm really at home when I go to into the radio studio. I feel like it is the only time I feel like I'm really going to work cuz it just feels like my my skill set, my job. But the next morning I was like, "Man, I need to go and ground myself because I just haven't lived up there for a while." And also I forgot that nighttime radio is so different to the structure in my day now. I, I try my hardest to go to bed as close to the sun as I can and rise as close to the sun as I can. It is not on sunset or sunrise by any means, but it's certainly much closer to when I was hosting a night show. Uh, and so doing that again was a reminder of that. And, and it was just, it wasn't really anything. I just observed it and moved on. And there was probably something about me that was quite, there was something about me that was quite proud that I had been able to regain that consciousness for myself and and just watch it and observe it. And it also allows you to think about things and know that you have choice with your life. I know this might sound like a really big, fast stretch, but for a long time, I, I was so ambitious and so driven around success in the radio industry that, to be honest, I, I know I ran my life, but I didn't always feel like I had much choice. I was kind of on this hamster wheel of achieving this particular goal. And I'm glad that I did it because I achieved it. And I feel really good about that for that part of my life. But now it feels really nice to be dabbling back in radio, but also able to observe it rather than being in it and being carried away with it. Like I can be in that space, I can be off the ground or, you know, and I'm going to work much harder at being into my lower body. And you'll you'll hear a lot more of uh, Philip talk about this because I really took on a lot of what he said and was like, wow, I wonder if I'm able to do those kinds of jobs and have my energy tripod, have my energy in my lower part of my body because, yeah, naturally when you go to kind of present and your radio, you can imagine everybody's just a little bit turned up. It's a different kind of, um, yes, a source again, a space to come from. So I learned so much from that. So I did wonder, you know, can I do both? Am I able to really get like take on the practices or the principles that Philip te- teaches in TEP? and be able to do all those kinds of jobs. So um, I'm looking at that at the moment and and back to my earlier point, it is just really nice to be looking and observing and and seeing everything as it comes and goes, not being so in it and invested by ego or, or just things that I suppose weren't really serving me to be driven from. So it's great. It's a really great place. It's still experimental and... I'm evolving, um, but it's it's fun. It's fun to, to play with with different ways that I am in things that I enjoy and then kind of see what happens. But let's get back to Philip. As I said, he has created a series of exercises and I suppose kind of life principles from my understanding from the course that show us how to be more present. And I promise you this chat is going to be one that you have all probably craved for because at times, I think the podcast can be very much a series of interviews and conversations around things that really rely within us and rely for us to figure out in our minds and rely on us to sort. And he really tries to almost 
wipe everything that we've been taught and to bring it back to the body. It's really about this idea of why have we why have we answered the question with what is wrong with us and I need to find me with all of this head conversation and this figuring out and if you've come from a fixing kind of role in your family you will relate to this more than anybody that that we have to kind of figure out what is the problem he encourages us to find meaning that's alive in our body already so I talked to him about that I talked to him about the body intelligence I talked to him about breath I talked to him about pelvis floor and how much of our energy is locked and stored and what we can learn from that area of our bodies and we talk about his particular tools about being in the present moment that is unique to him. So I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. He was a lovely bloke. It was so lovely to do his um, his workshop. And it's always nice to be able to meet these people that are doing such incredible work in person. So enjoy this chat. Um, it was great. And I'd love to hear what you think. If you want to hear more about tep you can follow the instagram page it is coming to australia um, and there'll be much more that you'll be able to hear on that in the upcoming months but you can head to tep.life t-e-p-p.life or you can head to www.tepp.life online all right guys enjoy this chat and i hope you're well to begin our conversation with saying thank you very much for sharing uh, and having me at the workshop a few weeks ago. It was so lovely to meet you. Yeah, it was um, wonderful having you there, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I wanted to just start off with, I guess, a particular thought or I guess a problem that you've identified that a lot of people ask themselves, which is kind of what is wrong with me? I I struggle to find me. I struggle to have this connection with myself that I'm so readily told at the moment in order for me to know who I am. How do you how do you talk to that and, and why do you think that we're we're all living in this big question where the answer lies within ourselves, but we don't really know how to find it. Yeah, uh, that's that's such a wonderful question, Stacey. Um, oh boy, um, you, you know, I I I I I try to tell people that that yeah, there's a there's a big you have a big problem, but the problem isn't yours. The problem is the culture that we live in. And, you know, we, we're born into a culture and we grow up in it as infants and young children and toddlers. And, and our culture establishes for us what is normal. So, you know, even if you grow up as a kid in an abusive home, that is what is normal. The, the way you're, the adults around you are behaving establishes your benchmark for normal. So we grow up in a culture that basically tells us the head should be in charge, the head is supreme, the body is just a vehicle to get us around, and we are taught systematically in grade school to suppress the body's energy, 
which is the same thing as suppressing the body's intelligence, and fill your head with the right answers, and you will do well. So we grow into a, a sort of divided state. We grow into a state in which we feel independent from the world, rather than growing into our natural wholeness. And when I say our natural wholeness, I don't mean, I don't mean something contained within the skin. I mean, I mean the wholeness of the world that, that suspends and cradles our lives in so many relationships. And those relationships tend to wither as we retreat further and further into the head. And there we are, disconnected from the body. And, the, you know, the body is our bridge to feeling, our bridge to those relationships that hold our life. And so we disconnect from the world around us and we feel alienated. And our recourse is to go into our ideas, into our head more and more and strategize and you know, try to sort out what the problem is from a position that is cut off from the nourishment of the world around us. So energetically and physically, how does that play out? So when you use the word head, is it cut off at the neck? And what's going on with our energy in our physical rest of our body? Like, well, how does that affect the physicality? Yeah, so... When I talk about being caught in the head, I'm talking about a realm of our consciousness that is really, really abstract. Um, so feeling itself is demeaned. Feeling, you know, doesn't really matter much um, to those abstract ideas in the head. Just as, you know, when you're a kid and you're in school, um, you know, you'll, you'll get in trouble sitting in your chair if you start to feel too much. It's not about feeling, it's about knowing. Um, and sure, we kind of feel things along the way, we notice things. Um, but, but as for being present, as for actually locating ourselves in what is here now, that too becomes kind of an abstract. So we lose our sense of our being. Um, when I say I lose our sense of our being, you know, there's, there's the doing of the head and there's the being of mm. what is not abstract about your life. And Which what is, so is not... interesting, and I, sorry to interrupt, but I no, feel no. like we've flipped it. So it's like our head has become our being yeah. and our bodies have become our almost homework to get back to like it because it's like it's a back it's the background yeah. Yeah. our bodies are in the background yeah. and that abstract yeah. realm has moved front and center yeah right and so yeah. and so the you know if you think about that rational faculty and i you know i i love idea i love the finesse of discernment that that it makes possible but but the but that power of reasoning in the head is, is absolutely impotent when it comes to what matters most in your life. You cannot think your way or reason your way into the present. You can't reason your way into love. You can't reason your way into peace of heart. So, so those, those, those realms that are so foundational to well-being 
are inaccessible to that faculty to which we've given our allegiance in our lives. And the body remains in the background. And in the meantime, you know, science has shown us that the body processes a million times more information than we can be consciously aware of. So the body is pulsing with information that we have no access to as long as we demean sensation and, and keep the body in the background. So before we get to the how, because I think already everybody will be thinking, <laughs> so how, okay, great, so how, why are we not relying on this this intelligence of our body alone? And where has that, I mean, I know you spoke a little bit earlier about the culture, but where has this, I think even more so now with technology and the way we live our lives today, where do you think that this real extreme disconnect has come from? When we as a culture discovered agriculture, everything changed. Everything changed. So prior to that moment, our survival depended on noticing the world around us and attuning it and feeling where the threat was and feeling where the food was and communing with plants in a way that enabled us to use them to heal and use them for nourishment. And, and our faculties were wide open to the world on which our lives depended. Now, you imagine the moment when you take a seed and you push it into the ground, everything changes. Suddenly that bit of ground is no longer a manifestation of the living mother. That piece of ground is suddenly yours and it's a material thing that you possess. And, and the little plant growing up beside you, suddenly that's a weed because it might take nourishment away from your plant. And the animal coming along that might eat your plant, now it's vermin because it might eat your plant. And the tree putting your plant in the shade has to be cut down because your, your plant needs sun. So, so the whole of our world goes from one in which we attune to the present and come into harmony with the world around us to one in which we exert control over the world around us and exercise that control with the use of abstractions. So it's very abstract to say, oh, don't eat this grain. Now leave some because in five months' time, we're going to need it to plant the next year's crop. Everything, everything becomes more and more abstract. And you, you know, you look at a tree and you no, no longer see this magnificent manifestation of life. You're seeing a bough that if you, when you cut it down, would be a good ridgepole for your house that you're building. And we domesticated animals, and suddenly you own this pig, for example, and you are like a god to that pig. You decide what it will eat and when it will eat. You decide when it will uh, breed, and you too are the owner of its, of its litter. You own those animals. So we become godlike in our relationship to nature in, in the sense of this almighty, uh, controlling, all-seeing power of reason. And, you know, the agricultural revolution led to malnourishment 
very quickly. People who were hunter-gatherers were, were much better nourished than those who were agriculturalists. But in time, you know, we took more and more control. And now if you go to the grocery store and, and you're, you've got bananas on your list and they don't have any, you're ticked off because you're entitled to those bananas. You know, so we've come a long way and not all of it's good. Yeah. So let's just go back to when you left Toronto, you were 18 years old. Yeah. What was, what was driving you at that point to move? And do you, do you relate or at least uh, connect that experience to still having that idea of, I don't know, of this meaning in body and being in touch with your body, do you think we lose some of that as we get older? So there's kind of two parts of the question is what drove you to leave Toronto and does that drive diminish in us as we get older, do you think, to take those, I guess, what you could call a risk? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I'll start with part one. Um, as a teenager, oh, Stacy, you know, I looked around at the adults in my life and it's like they were living out a fantasy mm. they i could see they were disconnected they were role playing and the parts they'd chosen to play were suffocating their lives but but somehow their their very existence depended on this role who were they without it and and i looked at that and and i could feel myself mired in the assumptions of my culture and i had no way of stepping outside my culture in order to question those assumptions. Mm, mm, and I think mm. the most difficult thing in the world to question is an assumption that has come into your body, into your being, before you've even had a chance to question it, which is what happens with us mm. as children. So mm. I, um, I knew, basically, I knew if I stayed in my culture, I would die. What, what mattered most in my life would be extinguished. And so, yeah, I, at 18, I went to England and bought a bicycle and headed off for um, to Japan. And I cycled through Europe and the Middle East and India and Japan and passed through so many different ways of understanding what it means to be human, so many different cultures. And then when I returned home after two years, in a way, it's like my eyes had been cleansed. I could see my culture with new eyes and begin to question it. And I, you know, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any inevitability to our desire for freedom being diminished as we grow older. Um, I am more free now than I was at 18 when I took off on the bicycle. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a, I mean, there's a, there's a trade-off. You, you can you can want to be safe in your life and if you want to be safe you're sort of siding with the tyrant of mythology because the tyrant is about self-achieved independence and fortifying himself with possessions and battlements and defenses and that's one way to go and you know i consider i consider safety and it seems to me that if you're alive, you're not safe. If you're alive, you're going to get sick. You're going to get hurt. You're going to die. It's not a safe way to be. But what happens in our culture is people kind of understand that. And there's this, there's this subtle 
um, corollary they draw. Well, if it's not safe to be alive, maybe if I'm less alive, I'll be more safe. Oh, yeah. And so people, you know, they pull back on their loves and their passions and their desire for freedom. But, but even though they've pulled back on it, it's still there. It's still within them. And sometimes it takes, you know, a tragedy or a sort of cataclysmic shock to awaken it again. And sometimes it just, it just gets to the limit where you no longer want to live in the way other people ask you to live. You want to live in the way that feels most true to you. And that choice is always there. If you were to know everything you know now, looking back to that 18-year-old, how would you describe your knowledge of that culture not being for you? Like where did that, where did that come from in your body and, and, and what would you say was going on for somebody that's listening thinking, well, how did he know? How did he, if he hmm. didn't see anything else, what was he following? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, so... In my knowledge now, as I've come to understand it, I feel the realm of my being most keenly in the pelvic bowl. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean that literally. I mean, I mean, when I return to the pelvic bowl, when I allow my awareness to land on the pelvic floor, there is a sense of coming home to myself. There's a sense of landing in the resonant truth of the present. There's a sense of being grounded in reality. So when it's with that knowledge, I can now understand when I, when I was a teenager, there was deep, deep in my pelvic bowl, this, this core, um, that I, that I still refer to as my core, but it, it's the core of my being. And it was in a rage as a teenager because my being, as I understand it now, was under assault and I wanted to live. And I wanted to be free. And there was that that core of my being that 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 would rather head off alone on a bicycle from England to Japan and face, you know, likely who knows what calamities on the way. And I really didn't leave expecting to come back alive. But I knew, I knew that if I stayed, what mattered most to my life wouldn't survive. And that was the choice I made. But yeah, I felt it in the pelvic bowl deeply, deeply. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I wanted to bring up 
the role of the pelvis and and how much I took away from the workshop that was specific to that. If you have listened to the show, you will have heard me mention that I have since discovered that there's been a bit of a release issue with my pelvis and I've found that incredibly confronting at times emotionally but also really healing in the ability to truly release. And what I took away from your workshop, which I'd love for you to share with my listeners, was this idea of how when we inhale, we kind of contract and hold in. And instead, your suggestion was to once we inhale, we actually release. How important is the pelvis in terms of, I guess, maybe a navigator of the rest of the intelligence and the magic in our body? I love that phrase, the navigator of our intelligence. Um, <laughs> yeah, how important is it? It's indispensable. There, You know, there is a brain in the pelvic bowl. And I mean, I, I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean, literally, anatomically, there's a brain in the pelvic bowl. And um, it took Western scientists centuries to recognize it. Or, I mean, they recognized it, but then they dismissed it, you know, because they, they, mm, there's, no, there's, no yeah. there's no place in our culture for a brain in the belly because we're so head-centric. Um, but other cultures do recognize it. And, boy, how, how important is it, I, you know, to try to come back to the teeming intelligence of the body. And the nature of that intelligence is such that what the body most deeply understands is that it belongs to the world. So, you know, the, the flesh of the apple that I eat is my flesh, is becoming my flesh, just as, as my body in turn nourishes the apple tree. It, 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 everything affects everything. There is, there is no um, possibility of a barrier separating me into an independent entity from the world. I am immutably a part of it. And the body lives and breathes in the reality of that world. And what we do in the same way that when we push a seed into the earth and then we, we you know, control the vermin and the weeds and the trees and the everything about it, we, we're the same way with our bodies. So instead of pushing a breath, uh, a seed into the ground, we push the breath into the body. And we, we've internalized the understanding that it's important to breathe deeply. And so we push the breath down deeply into the body. And it takes muscular effort. And it is the opposite of how a baby breathes. I think the most beautiful thing in the world is to look at a baby in its crib and just watch it breathing. And the whole of its body releases to the in-breath. And the whole of the body releases to the out-breath. And that release is initiated in the pelvic floor. And it's, you know, it may seem like abstract or, or how do you feel that? But, but the pelvic floor we feel all the time. It's there. It, the pelvic floor is a diaphragm in the body. It is meant to support the breath, but it becomes locked up in neglect. And then our, our whole internal viscera becomes stultified with that um, immobility. And to release the pelvic floor to the in-breath and feel it 
ever so gently drop down and allow to release to the in-breath and ever so gently float up is to bring life and awareness to that whole area. So, so the breath is like the first step of reawakening the pelvic intelligence. As the breath brings life to that area, its awareness awakens and then your ability to become one with it uh, becomes greater and greater. I think it's also the key to, because I think I work with a lot of girls that are trying to figure out what their intuition is or when you say follow your gut, what does that actually mean? And, and I think that is a really simple way to begin is that if you're able to understand your pelvis and, and your breath's association with that, well, that relationship, then you've already got this clarity about yourself that's, that's different that you had before. It's, it's just this, it's undeniable it's really, really powerful work. Um, it's yeah, it is really amazing. So, let's talk about some of the things we did um, at the workshop. And essentially, I mean, I have to ask you a question. So, it's the the four steps that we went through. Is that what your is that what the TEP principles are? Are they are they the kind of foundations, or is is the workshops and the programs that people could expect if they were to ever find you or to ever find TEP in Australia, which I've mentioned earlier on in, in the intro, is going to be something that people will hear about in, in the coming months. But is, is that, is, are those four steps your suggestions to becoming more present? By the four steps, you mean the four themes, the breath, the rest, yes. the receptivity yes. yeah. Yeah. and integration? Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're a doorway in. Um, the foundation of TEP really lies in the principle that you most deeply learn about yourself as you more deeply come into felt relationship with the world. And the body in that regard is like a bell. It's like a resonator. And when, there is, when, when the body is spacious within, and you know, I, when I say spacious within, I mean, you imagine walking on a beach and there's a light breeze and the sun is shining and the waves are rolling in and the body, you know, the, within there is just such a sense of spaciousness within. It matches the spaciousness of the world outside. And, you know, by contrast, you know, you're in rush hour and you're late for an appointment and traffic is congested and so is your body. Uh, you know, that, 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 that tension that shuts down its spaciousness. So the principle at the heart of TEP is that by, by integrating what compromises the spaciousness of the body, you come into a personal relationship with the present, with the world around you, and you no longer feel your bounded self, you know, the, the, the container of the skin as your limit. There is a porosity between you and the world, and, and the give and take is nourishing and endless and infallible in its way. So the four themes are a way of helping people begin to feel that spaciousness 
and begin to feel how, how much of the world there is to receive in any moment. And through that receptivity, you enter the currents of the present. And then you're, you're no longer required to take charge of your decisions and your life and your agendas and your plans because something else happens where, where your every step is illuminated by that larger relationship with the world around you. You feel it deep in your body. You feel what the next step has to be. Just as, you know, as a teenager, I felt that my next step had to be getting a bicycle and, and, and heading off for Japan. But it, it happens even at, at the subtlest of levels. So instead of, instead of taking on the job of guiding ourselves, we come out of the head and soften into the body and discover the relief and wonder of finding guidance in the world around us. And that guidance is only available to us when there is that spaciousness in the body. So could you take us through some of the principles and how perhaps people can start to at least acknowledge these these points as ways to access themselves essentially and access this intelligence that you're speaking of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the place I begin usually isn't with practices. It's with helping people understand how deeply our culture violates our sense of being, to understand that your awareness has been exiled from the pelvic bowl, to understand that you've been taught to control the breath rather than release to it, to understand that you've been taught to put your head in charge and make the right decisions and fix your problems. And, you know, just to name all of that and appreciate the impact it has had on every day of your life. And then with that appreciation, you begin to soften into that other intelligence in the body. And just as, just as the workshop moves through those four themes, you know, on your own, you can begin to soften into the breath. And I've got one principle when it comes to Breathing, Like I, I would never say there's a right way to breathe because every moment um, draws a different breath from us in response to it. But the one principle that, that I stand by is that the whole of the body can be available to every single breath. And if the whole of the body isn't available to every, every breath, then you are in some way resisting the present. And when I say the whole of the body, I can feel the breath in the soles of my feet, in my legs, in my back, down to my fingers. It's like a wave running through the spaciousness of the body. And so to begin just to notice in your own body where the breath is compromised, where, where the shadows linger that refuse to surrender to the breath and to understand those shadows as orphans. It's, it's energy you've orphaned because you've had to, because you couldn't integrate it at the time, because it was too overwhelming. And now, gently, patiently, you can come back to it and give it your unconditional acceptance and give it your love 
and allow the breath to penetrate it and slowly it will begin to disperse and the whole of the body will open to the breath. And as it opens to the breath, you're quickening the body's intelligence and you begin to feel how the body feels the world. And then, you know, to be aware of how your thinking is locked into your head. And there's this, there's this journey that, that, that you're embarking on whereby you begin to recognize that every sensation in the body is a form of thinking. It's just in a different language. And you begin, you begin to overcome this division between thinking and being that our culture has set up. You know, when they sit you in that chair in grade school, they are telling you to shut down the body's intelligence, to, to ignore your being and concentrate on your thinking in a way that excludes your being. So we all carry this wound within us between our thinking and our being, and then how to, how to open to the cavern of the body and the resonance of the body and understand that what is passing through it is your thinking as well, and how to come back home to that so that your, your thinking is no longer trapped in the head, but it resonates not just through the body, but like ripples in a pond out to the world around you as well. And on that, I find that a really interesting concept because I think for me, for a long time, I've been able to separate that idea and have that awareness of the thinking and the mind and sometimes mine will play out in anxiety and, and that separation from my pelvis and my core and my my deeper breathing and I don't know, there's just a sacredness to my life when I'm sitting in myself. But I think at times there is a real, you can get the understanding but then the flow between the two is the next step how would you suggest to to kind of approach that part of the process? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, one of the impediments to that is we are so mired in our cultural assumptions. So, um, you know, we're encouraged as a first step to listen to the body. And, you know, listening to the body is the opposite of embodiment. And I'm not, I mean, there's value to listening to the body, but, but to mistake it for embodiment is to fall into our culture's trap. So mm. if you think about the metaphor, listening to your body, basically what it's telling you is that you're in one room and your body is in the room next door mm. and it would be prudent to put your ear to the wall separating you from it to find out what's going on on the other side. Mm. So, so my work isn't about listening to the body. It's about listening to the world through the body. It's about attuning to the present through the body. And the, and the body is like a bell. It rings to the present with every moment. And it's the spaciousness within it that allows that resonance. But in the meantime, we contract into the head and try to take charge of our own surrender to the body. Do you know what I mean? We try I to do. get it. We try to get it right, yeah. which which yeah. leaves the head in charge. So, you know, just to rec to recognize how how um, deeply shaped we are, mm. 
by our cultural assumptions. And then, you know, the surrender to the body is a little like falling off a cliff. It's a free fall from the head with the center of your awareness dropping down, down through the body until it arrives on the pelvic floor. And, and more specifically, I, I go to the perineum. I, I feel the pelvic floor as the ground of my being. And the perineum is at the very center of the ground of my being. And it has, it has a huge significance. There's a stillness to the perineum. And there are all these currents on the pelvic floor, like the rushing of a river. And the perineum is like a still stone at rest within that river. And if you can, if you can allow the center of your awareness to go into free fall and drop down and land in the perineum and come to rest there, you will attune to your body, to your life, to the world around you in a completely different way. Mm. Yeah, I, and I think... I think that's what I found so interesting after your workshop is this almost this whole new view of the word embodiment for starters, but also this release mm. of so much of the work, I think. And it's been fascinating and also a bit of a relief, if I must be honest. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, if it's supposed to be also simple and you find yourself you find your way back to yourself then why am I doing so much I know so- it's like the, I know there's this message you know try try to surrender your body try harder to surrender it's there you can do it but 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 the, the, the very trying is what traps us in the head yeah and, and it really it really is simpler than that and not not to underestimate the challenge within our culture of maintaining that quest, um, you know, because we are bombarded with exhortations to live in the head in a million different ways. But, but the challenge isn't, isn't a challenge of complication. It's a challenge of simplicity. The, mm. the work is more about undoing than it is about doing mm. anything. Which I like. And I think also there is something still nice about having that work done or that discovery because I think there's something in me that likes the education it's but it's weird isn't it it's like I want to have done it so I can undo it does that make sense like it's a bit sick so you're kind of like you're kind of, there's there's something in it that feels not an achievement but I sub, I'm a person that lives and it comes up in my kinesiology sessions a lot where the word challenge, not challenged, but challenge. There's just something yeah. really um, invigorating to me about that. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is, yeah, there is also something quite lovely about having the information and then letting it unfold as well. Do you know what I mean? It, and I understand that your practice, the embodiment is to to sit and not necessarily need all of that, but it's just been an, it's an interesting learning process of life where you kind of look at all the different factors that we, we can learn about, I guess, in inverted commas, self-development. I'm not, I'm not eliminating the challenge or the context. I'm just completely reframing it. So, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a matter of, 
undertaking this quest and with the right willpower you can get there. That's that's the old paradigm. The paradigm that 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 suits this work best is recognize how deeply you have been patterned by a culture that is patriarchal and male dominated and controlling and and wants to manage and organize everything and understand how that need to organize lives within you and understand the challenge is to sufficiently surrender to your reality, to the reality that you are held in the embrace of the present at every moment. And can you allow yourself to feel what it is to be organized by the present instead of by that abstract realm of the head? And on the patriarchy, because that is one of my last questions that I had, and, and I will put all the links to the online course. Uh, Philip, you're back in Australia for a workshop at some point soon, right? Yeah, and in February I'm, I'm okay. doing four workshops. Well, three okay, workshops great. and one five-day retreat, yeah. Okay, great. So I'll put all of those details for people to find out more information on what we were talking about with the specifics of the principles and the foundation. But I did want to talk to you about your view of the patriarchy and, and as we spoke about earlier, particularly that a lot of my listeners are chickadees. Um, when it comes to the effects of the patriarchy, particularly on women and their bodies, what would you say would be the your observations of what that of what damage that has actually done specifically to the female body? I I barely know where to begin. Um, I mean, I say that from the from the depths of my heart. You know, I just think back to to the you know prior to the agricultural revolution, when our cultures were gathered around the mother. And the mother was the center. And how, how could it be otherwise? So, so what, I mean, the effect, jeez, our thinking, everything we do is top down. And top down is the way of patriarchy. We sit up in the heads and we control the body and we judge it and we demean it and we push it so it looks better. And that whole, that whole top down view, um, It has its has us all in its whole, and what damage has it done? My gosh, it 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 objectifies not just you, but those around you. Um, it asks that the body be judged in in totally unrealistic terms. You know, you you see models in in adverts who've starved themselves and they're not healthy and they don't look well, but that's become the image to which we should aspire. And I, you know, I, we see strength as a, a male virtue. And I, my gosh, it's, I'm writing, I'm writing a book. I'm co co-authoring a book about, about muscular strength. And, and there is nothing like, like, like feeling your strength in this moment, which is, you know, a violation of the code our patriarchy holds up. A woman should be retreating and need the help of a man and vulnerable. And I mean, all that, all that has its place. But, but, but your muscular health 
you know, it turns out is the core of your well-being. And to mm. to own your strength in that way is not to become more male, it's to more deeply grow into the strength of your womanhood. Mm. I could go on and on. It's uh, It's a really big subject for me. I love it. And as a per- as a pregnant woman right now, <laughs> it's showing up in a whole different realm that I understood before. So mm, yeah. uh, I, I hear you. And I'd love to talk about this another time in, in a real, as a, a whole episode in itself. <laughs> because dig, I think as well. Dig yeah, right to dig into right it. Yeah. In. yeah, because I think there's so much in, in all of the, the changes in history too and how much it wasn't always like that and how much there was a different celebration and I think it's so interesting that so many of us are really unaware of of that that history and and the fact that it wasn't always like this too I think there's something really fascinating about their as a woman thinking about wow Mm. there was another life where people lived like this and women were put as goddesses and things were were respected without being this battle between the two you know and it's it's just a nice thing to to go down that path and it gives you this ability to believe yeah and and you know there is there is another way that 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 we used to see the world and understand our relationships that's one side of the other side of it is if we remain in this way that we've habituated to this inner you know i think of it as an inner patriarchy where the 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 male inflected brain in the head dominates and controls and silences and demeans that female pole of my consciousness in the body and if we continue in that um i think our days are numbered i truly do it's hastening Mm. our demise Philip, it's so insightful and refreshing and calming to talk to you. And I thank Mm. you so much for your time. It's been such a lovely thing to meet you. And and I hope that that I'm able to attend the next time you're in town because it's, um, it really has me, I'm not even going to say thinking, approaching things differently. So thank you for that. And thank you for the work. That's lovely. Oh, thank you, Stacey. It's been an unalloyed pleasure. It truly has. (laughs) This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 